Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. From the corner, Barry. Rick Barry has not missed a free throw against Washington. Now it is Barry. Back to Clifford Ray. Goes to Rick Barry. Golden State getting that ball moving. Intended for Barry. Barry, look at that pass. Rick Barry, look at that shot, would you? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Barry wants to make a move. There's a Barry. He's got his shot. Rick Barry Show. We're on Mic'd Up. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll get a little bit better at this as we uh, have added this to uh, to our arsenal. Uh, but yeah, hey, listen, I got to get this out of the way first of all, folks. I know you have the problem I have. It's been over a month. I can't get on to Instagram. And then they say, help. I have sent in telling them. I never get the text. And then when I try to go and sign up and do it, oh, I can't pick the name. That's already taken. It's showing that I still have it. So I'm thinking about just trying to put a whole new Instagram and sign up for another one because I can't get in. So no, like, don't seriously. do that, Ray. Don't do that. You have no. thousand fault. You have some crazy I, number. I know. I don't want to. I don't want to change my you know Rick Twenty Four Barry thing. But I mean, my God, I mean, where's the service? I mean, seriously, what do you think about customer service? There is no service. There's no response at all. So if anybody knows somebody at Instagram, help. You don't really. <laughs> help you have- you have a fame, you have a popular segment on each of your shows called "It Drives Me Crazy." I yeah. like to say something that drives me absolutely bat. You know what? Crazy. Okay. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus. On your first deposit and get into the action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. And that is the lack and the the end of good customer service as technological advances have you know emerged and evolved. Companies for some reason think it's okay to not, you know, provide customer service. Drives me crazy. You can't call people at the time anymore. You have to wait for emails to get back, you have to use a chat. Uh, oftentimes, you're, you're dealing with automated responses. Yes, or yes. Center on the other side of the planet, that drives me crazy. What happened to good customer service? Yeah. I, I, well, there's I, a lot of things that could drive you nuts. I mean, what what happened to somebody taking pride in the work that they do? Yes. I remember all the people came over here. This country was founded by immigrants, right? And so, and they came over with such great pride and were so happy to be Americans and have a chance to be an American and to have the, the, the opportunities that are here. And the craftsmanship of the people who came, who did woodwork or whatever it may be, the pride was there. My dad instilled that in me. And he didn't come from the old country. You know, he was a generation removed. But that's the one thing that my dad and I try to instill that in all of my boys. I think in my daughter, I thought he was successful at that. And for kids, when I talk to them, take pride in everything that you right. do. I mean, it's it, it's it's a reflection on you as a person. You want to succeed in life. People are going to want to have you work for them and be a part of their life if they know you take pride and give your best effort in everything you do. So there's a great message for that. And we'll get off of the preaching and stuff and get into talking a little bit, freaking about some sports and stuff here. And I guess the biggest news out that I guess everybody's talking about right now, obviously, is, uh, you know, Mr. Sarver from the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, who has gotten suspended for a year and fined $10 million. Now, here's the thing that's probably annoyed me more than anything else. 
Uh, you know, obviously what he did was, you know, uncalled for, unjustified, uh, and he's paying a penalty for it. But so many people have come out and say, oh, it's this is a joke. I mean, this is ridiculous. What are they doing? It's like a slap on the wrist and all. Listen, folks, first of all, there are rules and regulations. If you're involved in any kind of an organization or something, they have bylaws. They have things that are there. He's being fined the maximum amount of money that can be fined to oh. the owner for what he's did. I mean, the maximum is $10 million. So they gave him the maximum fine. They removed them from the team for a year and all. I mean, whatever happened to the old adage and stuff that, you know, turn the other cheek or whatever, the guy screwed up. He admits to screwing up. And it does, you know, I'm not condoning what he did at all. But I'm saying, I mean, so instead of saying this is a joke and everything, but not one person, even on TV or something I've read about over the, you know, the course of the day, not one person has suggested what would have been a proper punishment. It's easy to say this is a joke. It's this is crazy. It's a, you know, it's a travesty. What what is it that you recommend that he should have been done? He's already been fined the maximum amount. If you saw all of the things that the Suns and the Mercury have to go through and how they're going to be monitored, and I mean, they're trying to make it as good as possible. Do you honestly believe out there, folks, that if every if every business, not just sports, okay, sports in particular, every owner of a company, every owner of a, of, of an organization, was put through the scrutiny that Sarver had just been put through for that many years, going over 80,000 emails or notes or whatever, that they're not going to come up with something that this person did that probably they shouldn't have done or said. I mean, seriously. I mean, so he's wrong. They've penalized them. You know, so, Hey, serve your penalty. I mean, it's, Hey, if you love something and you own a company, you can't have anything to do with their company for a year. I mean, my God, I mean, let's take it away. Hey, if you're out there doing something, whatever you may love, they take that away from you from a year. I, to me, that's a fairly significant penalty, right? What do you want to do? Take the team away from them? Yeah, seriously. I think I think that is what people want because the, the precedent was set by Donald Sterling that you can do that. Uh, I wasn't aware that the 10 million thing was a maximum penalty amount. Is that a CBA thing, I guess, or is that some sort of yeah, that's, well, that's what's in the bylaws of the, of, of the NBA as an owner doing stuff. That's the maximum penalty that could be administered. And that's what they gave him. Uh, and I'm sure that if it was a higher number, he would have gotten that. Yeah. Yeah. I, right? I, I mean, know so that David, they're... so I mean, Donald's, I mean, no, seriously, when you talk about it, I mean, Adam Silver's hands are kind of tied. He couldn't find him anymore because it's not allowed. Well, so, there you go. But would okay. you? But if but you, so you're you're saying that's an appropriate penalty. The the one is the one year a max too. What, no, what, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the su- suspension is. But to me, a one year suspension being uh, taken away. I mean, like athletes sometimes get like what? What do we get? One of them we got five games or six games or whatever. Maybe this and you know not the season. No, this is the full year. One year. So uh, anyway, what he did was wrong and. Uh, but why are we making such a huge, huge deal about this isn't good enough? But tell me, what is it? What would have been good for you? Seriously, I'd love I, to hear that. I, I am of the belief that sports owners have a little too much power in the sense that there's no accountability for their actions outside of what Donald Sterling did and they took the team away. I, I, would, I would like it if there are rules in place where if owners are utterly incompetent, let's say for the sake of argument, they set a rule where if your team did not make the playoffs for 20 straight years, you are going to be forced to sell your team. I would love a rule like that. Or or in this case, I think a lot of people want that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. So, wait, an owner should have the team taken away if his team doesn't make the playoffs? Yeah, he has to sell it. He has to I sell mean, it. No, no, come on. Seriously. 
I mean, what he should be doing is that he needs to go ahead and have somebody advise him as to hire a better freaking general manager every yes. the players. I mean, it's not the, it's not his fault that the team didn't make the playoffs. It's just the fault of the person he hired, and so he fires that person. I mean, yeah. But anyway, I, I it's it's one of those things that everybody has an opinion about stuff, but yes. nobody ever gives an answer to it. I mean, I, I not one person that I hear or read about that said, this is what I think would have been a penalty. And so don't you think that with the severity of what this was and the depth that they went to to do all of the investigations, that had it been anything comparable to what Sterling had done, they would have taken the team away from him. So obviously it wasn't as egregious as what Sterling did. Because right. they already did that, right? So they know they can do it if it's if they feel it's justified. And in their case, they don't think it's justified. You don't happen to agree with it, whoever is out there bitching about this, but you still haven't come up with what you think would have been right. Should they have taken the team away from for this? How much I would have, you know, I'd be okay with five years. I think if they dropped the five-year penalty where they said for five years are out, because he's not showing any remorse. That that's the part that bothers me. Apparently, he was upset about the one-year penalty. He thought he didn't deserve it, uh, and, and which shows to me that he like look. When you look at what he did, I, I don't understand. It's not smart to ever use the N-word publicly, no, right? Of course. And he did that five times. I, I don't think that's smart at all. Then you you, you couple that with the, the physical touching he's done on some of his male employees, whether it was joking or otherwise, uh, the crude language he, he used around female employees. I Look, he's just not a very professional person. He doesn't conduct himself in a manner that, given his position, is is he, hey, he's not a role model. Yeah. I'm, happy to, I'm happy to hear what you're saying. I wish these other people would have said that instead of just coming up. This is ludicrous. This is a joke. Blah, blah, blah. But give me a response. Why? Why do you, what do you think should have been done? Now, in your case, you said, hey, it should have been at least five years. And all. Yeah. Hey, you know what? And if they said five years, he's liable to have said, well, this is crazy. You know, I'll just sell the team. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, that's a way of getting around it. You make the suspension long enough to do it. To, I mean, I agree with somebody. A $10 million to a billionaire is not, that's, that is a joke. I would agree with that. I mean, yes. but, but but they yeah. were limited as to what they could do. They did the maximum in that regard. Now, maybe the suspension could have been a little bit longer to do it. But my whole point about it is, is that people do make mistakes. Isn't it supposed to be somebody should get a second chance? Now, if you what were is- to do something after they've done something of this nature, then I think you take a more severe position to do it. But it's almost like, you know, whatever happened to, you know, getting a second opportunity, making a mistake and, Anyway, whatever I do is. believe, look, I, I do believe in second chances, Rick, and third chances. I believe that. I'm, I'm totally with you. Everything I've heard from people I've talked to indicates this guy is the biggest prick on the planet. Do you know a Robert Sarver personally? I, Maybe well, I've met him, but I've never spent okay. time with him, so I don't know. Here's the thing: like people, a lot of time ask me, I'm a Leslie. Well, what's Joe Namath like? You know, what's Jim Brown like? What's this guy like? I said, hey, you know what? To me, they're fine. I mean, you know, but maybe they're relating to me a little bit different because there's this common bond, you know, that we have. We're all part of the big sports fraternity on a professional level. So more than likely, maybe they're going to react and be nicer to me maybe than they would be to you. So I can't really tell you what they're like because (laughs) they're nice to me, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know him personally, but that's just – these are just opinions. Hey, even Shaq is nice to me. Hey, Hey, Shaq doesn't want to shoot underhand free throws, right? But he's still nice to me when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard to be a nice person in this world, Rick. I never understand people who are like that, who are just grumps or just assholes. I, well, here's the thing. Why? I would say, 
Well, here's the thing. I wish everyone would treat everyone like they like to be treated. And it's never a problem yeah. unless you are screwed up and you're a sadist, a masochist, or some wacko. I mean, then you got a problem if you're treated the way you want to be treated. But if you just treat everyone, if you're a normal human being and you would treat everyone the way you would like to be treated, the world would be better off. Yes, sir. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> All right, so Sarver, you know, take take. It. I will say one thing: when I did go to the Phoenix thing and everything, boy, at some of their pregame stuff, they had. In fact, I met the chef who did it. They had a salsa that was out of this freaking world. It was so good and had oh. great consistency to it. They had it in one of the mm. little. Oh my! But the thing is, the recipe he gave me was for like eighteen gallons of it, you know, because they made it for <laughs> all these people. Boy, it was it was really good. I still I remember that more about the Phoenix Suns than anything else is that salsa that they had. Oh, <laughs> but and I always have like a weird thing about sports owners because they, they have a they're in a very unique position where like like the, the typical arguments for like capitalism and for for you know business owner rights. I I feel like sports ownership is a very gray area, and, and I love your thoughts on this because your actions impact millions of people emotionally. You have such a unique power. Uh, in your hands as a sports owner where you can make a whole region of people, we're talking millions of people, incredibly happy, incredibly sad, incredibly angry. It's a very unique power that they have. And I feel like there's a responsibility that comes with that. And so someone like Robert Sarver, or let's say, forget Sarver, let's say James Dolan, owner of the Knicks. Oh, yeah. His team has been so bad for so long that I would love if they just took that damn team away from him or made him sell it, right? So he's not, like, just losing the team. But sell the team and give it to someone who's going to actually make those people happy. Am I out of line there, Rick? What do you think? No, I, I think that you have a good perspective on it, that I think there is a responsibility. People are paying good money to try to watch the product that you're putting out there on the field, on the court, whatever it may be. And you should be, again, taking pride in what you're doing with right. that team in order to try to make them as good as they possibly would. I don't think any, I don't think I, I would hope that none of them have ever been out there not wanting to be a champion or win. I mean, my God, I mean, if that's the case, you know, throw the guy out, you know, ship him out, take his passport away. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think they do. They do have a responsibility and it, it all comes down to the decision-making as to hiring the right people right. to do the job. You know? I mean, and not and, and admitting that you made a mistake. And this is one of the biggest problems is that general managers are the ones that make the mistakes because it's rare that a coach has the opportunity to choose his personnel. So if you really want to do it the right way, let the coach choose the players. A general manager have something to run the business. It's a big business. OK, then yes, you're the director of basketball operations for the little nuances and stuff you have. But the coach, let the coach pick the players. Then if the team isn't performing well, hey, you have every right in the world to fire your coach because he screwed up. He didn't get the right personnel in order to be able to have a winning team. And yeah. so I know what it's a little bit like is that somebody gives you chicken, you know what, and says, make chicken salad out of this. OK, and who gets fired? Who gets fired? The coach. Yep. How often does the general manager get fired? Now, they do fire him occasionally, but my God, it has to be a long time before. It just doesn't happen immediately. The coaches, I always feel, get too much credit at times, and they certainly get way too much blame. Fair. Because the coach yep. isn't who wins for you. You can't win without the right personnel. So if the general manager doesn't give you the right personnel, I don't care how good a coach you are. Take the success that Phil Jackson had or any of these other coaches. How well did they do when they didn't have great talent? Yeah, not well. 
No. Right? Maybe a little bit better, but but they're not going to win a championship. It's just not going to happen. Do you like? Well, you brought up Phil Jackson. I, I got to bring this up real quick. Phil proposed recently, and this is kind of crazy to me, even because I respect Phil tremendously. But this is a wild idea. He wants a four-point line. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I experienced that with you know Ice Cube's big three. As you know, as a coach, we have the four-point line. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Steph Curry would probably like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and a few other guys might like it. Right. Uh, I mean, it's certainly, it, you know, the three-point shot opened up things a lot, too. I, I don't know if four points. I mean, three points is still pretty. I'll tell you, that's a tough shot, even a three-pointer, if it is properly. But it'd get a little bit crazy. I mean, because you get lucky, you shoot it from there to get four points. I don't I don't know if I – I don't know. It's fun. I mean, the big three. It's, I mean, hey, if you're really trailing, you got a chance to get back in the game. Right. A number of times, because my teams haven't been all that good. You know, I mean, like I say, you don't get to pick your personnel and stuff. You got to coach people. Well, if they're not that good and you're down, and to get because this is a game to fifty and two halves, right? Twenty five is a half, twenty five is the second half. Hey, I'm trailing by eight points or something. They got forty two or forty four, and we're at thirty six. I mean, we got to shoot four point shots to try to get back in the game. So right. you know, it's just and it's and it's all about trying to keep it competitive and keep it close. So. You know what I think they what they could do is they could experiment with it. Go have the G League put it in and see what it right, was. right. Yeah. I think they're I think they're, yeah. The G, you're right. The G League's a, a perfect lab for that. So yeah, there you go. How is it? How is your team doing, the Ball Hogs? Well, we another we got eliminated because we didn't even get the playoffs. Wow. So we didn't even play. You know, they eliminated us after eight games or something, which is sad. And unfortunately, it's because who I love, Leandro Barbosa, got hurt after he yeah. Came championship he missed the first game because i think he celebrated too much with the championship and we missed the first game then he came back and he wasn't his normal leandro barbosa self and you know and so we just we didn't you know we didn't do it i mean i'm okay. disappointed but then again it's a situation where they allowed the captains were the ones to pick their players and did all the things they do and then you'd have to just you know hope that you work out and make it well but hey i, I loved it though i mean it's fun i mean i get to go i see the doc you know dr j gary payton and a lot of the guys who were coaching the Iceman george who i love you know fish with him a lot and so yeah i mean it's really a lot of fun and i don't know what's going to be around next year and if it is i don't know they may get rid of me because i mean i haven't been a successful coach i haven't gotten the playoffs yet which is i trust me you know me it kills me. i hate losing Hey Rick, Rick, you're not the you're not the GM. You're just the coach. That's that right. would be right. That yeah. would not be right, sir. Yes. Yeah, but that's the way it is. And you know, like they say in life, right? You got to play the cards you're dealt, right? So, <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, we got some people over here. Got some other questions for us. So maybe we'll get into some of those yeah. now before we get into some of the other topics we want to talk about. So I'm gonna let you. You can see them. Pick, pick yeah. one out that you like. Oh, uh, let's just go from the top. Hey, so right. Tommy Chetch writes. Oh, hey, Rick, how big of an impact do you think uh, do you see Dante DiVincenzo having on the Warriors? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it just depends. Uh, it depends how he's utilized. I mean, a guy come off the bench, you know, knock down a few threes for you, whatever it could be. I mean, I, I think the work, I think he's going to have a tough time getting playing time. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, cause right, right. I, I like I like the Warriors team for next year. And, you know, Damn. a big thing. Wiseman, if Wiseman comes back and, and can play at, at the level that people anticipate he can reach, uh, they're going to be a really you know tough team, no question about it. Uh, and everybody was saying, "Yeah, well, Clay wasn't himself." Listen, even when Clay before he got hurt was this kind of a guy offensively, and when he's here, he is really, really good. <laughs> you know, and when he's down here, he's probably still better than a whole bunch of other guys shooting the basketball. And so that's kind of been his modus operandi. And, 
know, I was so happy for him. I really was so happy because he's a great guy, great competitor. And for him to come back off those two major injuries and to, to come out and play at the level he did and get a championship, very, very gratifying. In fact, I think even Steph in an interview said this was the most satisfying championship, I think, that he he's did. Won. And I can see why, because it wasn't expected of them. Um, and it was terrific. I mean, it really was, considering all of the adversity that they faced. Uh, and then I'm waiting to see, you know, see what happens with Jordan, if he takes his game to another level and uh, and see what, what the rest of the guys are going to be able to do. I, Moody, I think, has a chance to be a really nice Thanks. player for him as well. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I like I like the team a lot. It's going to be fun to see. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do. And by the way, I, I should have played that. Uh, I apologize. But the next question, I'll actually play the audio of it. This is from Jack. Let's hear what his question is. There was some chatter over the summer about bringing Kevin Durant back to the Golden State Warriors. Durant left. Uh, I don't think he was happy when he left, and I'm not sure why we would want to bring him back and change the synergy of the team. And I'd like to get your thoughts on what you think about that. Thanks. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, I, I still, to this day, I can't understand why in the world he wanted to leave. I, I mean, seriously. I, I told you, I give up part of my salary to be on a team with the talent that they have. I mean, how lucky can you be to come from another team be a great player like you are and have a two-time MVP of the league allow mm -hmm. you to be the guy. I mean, seriously. I mean, I don't understand it. And I never really have gotten a definitive answer from, from KD as to exactly why he decided to leave. Um, but looking at it right now, it doesn't look like it was a very good decision as far as being able to be a champion. Um, although I think next year they got a chance to be a pretty nice team. Uh, they really do. I mean, seriously, uh, I, I, I do think they have an opportunity to do that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a pretty cool situation. But KD was not happy. And, and I mean, obviously, he wasn't happy there. And then he asked for the trade. Remember, I talked about this. I said, this is such bullshit. Excuse me. I mean, making all this stuff and speculating. And I said, listen, just wait until something happens. And then we'll evaluate it. And of course, what? Nothing happened. How nope. many weeks went by with all of this speculation over something that was totally worthless and meaningless? Nothing even happened. They worked <laughs> it out. Like I said, the owner of the team, he had a four-year contract that he can't get out of, right? And how in the world do you think anybody out there could have made a trade to give them enough to make up for losing Kevin Durant to make sense without destroying their own team? I mean, seriously. It was such BS. It was I, so I did. I got tired of listening to it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and Steph. Steph also added to that. He said what Durant probably wasn't thinking about is the fact that whoever he was traded to was going to have to give up a lot of assets to get him. So wherever he right. went, thank you. Destroy their own team. They're not exactly. going to win. They're not exactly. going to win. You know. But the nice thing, the Nets really do have a chance. I mean, it's depending. You know, depending. You know, what what happens with the rest of their their people and whether or not our dear friend from Australia decides he's going to play or not. I mean, learn how to shoot the basketball, Ben Simmons talking about. But the <laughs> fact that Joe Joe Harris, I heard just was reading, that Joe Harris is back and said he's at 100% after two ankle things, after missing almost the whole season. I mean, this is a guy that shoots over, he shot over 45%. What is he, shot 47.5 from three-point range the season before last on you know over six shots a game. I mean, correct. That, that's super impressive shooting. So they've got him, and then they added Seth Curry, 
who's a 43% three-point shooter. So that's going to make it very difficult for teams to focus on Kyrie or on KD because you can't double off of them, right? you got two right. guys that can knock it down on the high consistency. So that, that should help them some. So uh, And if Simmons plays at any kind of a level, they, sh- they should be obviously a much uh, much better basketball team than uh, – than, well, it's not going to take much to be a much better basketball team than they were last year. They were such a big disappointment. So, But here's the other thing. I want to get back to one other thing yeah. before we get to some more of these questions. Okay. About – the, the, the Sarver situation about talking about what he did and all the punishment he should have, and this is horrible. So what about the fact that Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves just got himself in hot water using yeah. an anti-gay comment on his Instagram video? So what kind of punishment should he receive? He just apologized and said, blah, blah, blah. I mean, isn't that along the same lines? I mean, not to the degree that what Sarver did, but, you know, people make mistakes. This is what I'm talking about. So... Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that into the equation. So yeah, that's it's 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 worth it's it's a good point. It's uh, I mean, obviously there's different variances in terms of what each one did. Like for Edwards, is a one-time thing, but but I hear what you're saying. You're right. People make mistakes, and do we crucify them? Like I'm not a, I'm not a big believer in cancel culture, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people just want to cancel people out if they make mistakes in life. I don't I don't agree with that. So I, I yeah. If, if well, let's, saying, let's, get, let's get another question here. So just, yeah, Mark. Mark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mark Gillard. Mark, uh, people talk right? about how Steph Curry changed the game of basketball with shooting a three-point shot. During the span of your career from start to finish, did you find the game change and how? Did it become more technical, less technical, or anything in between? Well, he definitely has changed the game. There's never been a shooter quite like him. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm just – I marvel at how great a shooter he is. I mean, they coached stats a few years ago that from 28 feet, Steph Curry shot 48% one season. From 28 feet. That's so why I tell, I joke with people. I said, there's guys from 10 feet couldn't shoot 48%. Yeah. I mean, let alone 28 feet. So, yeah, he had a dramatic impact on the game. Uh, the three-point shot has changed the game. Uh, in some respects, good, but in a lot of respects, bad, because I think it was abused by a lot of teams. I mean, it cost the, war- it cost the Warriors a championship. You live and die with it. Cost them a championship when Draymond got suspended that one game. I mean, they would have won if that didn't happen, I think, anyway. But then they get to a game seven at home, and all they did was shoot three-point shots. And I talked about this before, the last four minutes and 40 seconds, I think it was. They never scored another basket. But other than Iggy's layup that got blocked by LeBron James, they shot everything from, from distance. They missed some open ones. They took some bad ones. I don't know why they wouldn't go to the basket, get fouled, put some points on the board, change the whole complexion of the game. So, yeah, it had a dramatic impact on it. But to me, Steph, people recently have been asking me about stuff, and I just did a interview that's going to be fun to see what they do with this documentary on Will Chamberlain. They're going to have a three-part series on it, and I got to get interviewed. And I was, you know, talking about, you know, these, the great players who would be on your team and all. And I've told you before that I would have Will Chamberlain as my center, Bill Russell as my power forward, take a little liberty there, because I don't need him to score a freaking point. Right. I guy that could score 50 <laughs> at any time, scored 100 in one game. Then I got Michael Jordan playing the two spot. I mean, he can get 50 at any time. I mean, so... I mean, come on, give me a break. And so now I want to be able to have a couple shots myself because I'm playing on that team, right? And so point guard, who do you take? Well, here's the deal. Magic Johnson. It'd be hard not to take him because of his city. But, however, if we're going to play with the rules of today with the three-point shot, I'm not going to have my team not have Steph Curry on it. (laughs) But let me ask you this. Do you think Magic Johnson and someone like yourself 
you would have worked on your three point shot a lot more if 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 oh, it was no, emphasis. I, I got the thirty three percent, which is like fifty. Okay, that's fifty percent from twos, thirty three percent from threes, which is really good shooting, right? Most guys, you know, you shoot in your forties and stuff. It's good mid forties and never, and that's good shooting for a wing person back in those days. And yes, if I was playing today, two areas of the game I'd have to work on. Number one, three-point shooting. I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't a 40% or better shooter. And right. all that is is going out and just practicing my butt off and shooting and shooting and getting down to the point where I could shoot at that high percentage. Right. And the other thing would be I was talked about the power first real you know, point forward and that, well, he could really handle the ball. Hey, I could dribble righty, lefty, crossover. That was the extent of my ball handling skills, okay? I mean, I watched my son Canyon do these two-ball drills and the stuff that they do. But what's that? Hours in the gym, working on the drills, practicing. I would get, to, I would be a better ball handler if I played today. I have to be, okay? So that's the only two areas. But when people say, hey, you can't play in today's game, I said, you must be on drugs, seriously. You don't have any understanding of the game. The sophistication of what's happened in sports with the technology and the training that's involved is so sophisticated. Why do you think John McEnroe during the U.S. Open tennis recently said, we're seeing a new evolution of the game? Why? Because of the training that's yep. there. If I played today, okay, first of all, let me explain. I had zero, nothing, no strength coach, no agility coach, no dietitian, nothing. I look at some pictures of myself and I say, oh my God, I was pretty well cut. How the hell did that happen? Because I had nothing. I mean, the last year of my career in 1980, I think Nautilus came out or something. I mean, I had nothing, zero. Mm -hmm. And so if I played today, faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher, there's no doubt Everybody that I played with during that era would be so much better today because of the training that's available and the sophistication of it. And the medical advancements, right? I mean, you had to get Well, yeah. Well, of course, I had to go. I, yeah. I, I have a terribly arthritic knee. I had to get my cut open for two, what, two cartilage operations that I would have been back playing in seven to 10 or 12 days with arthroscopic surgery. So it's, it's incredible. Just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole different world eating. I mean, we had steak and baked potato and green beans before games. I mean, we didn't have carbo loaded at all. I didn't know anything about that. And that's still a meal of champions, Rick. I still think you should yeah. do that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you wanted to improve your uh, three-point shot, how many three-point attempts per day are you putting up to over to see improvement over over a long span? Oh, you got to be Five. shooting. You got to be shooting hundreds. So that's what I was going to ask. Like 500, 1,000? Like, is there a number? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It, it just depends. I mean, the mo if you're doing it once, if you're once you get tired, once you get really tired, okay, it, you really have to you really have to you know stop it because you be a little bit fatigued and you should shoot some, but you get really tired. You don't want to do it because that doesn't happen that often. That you get to the point that you're so fatigued because right. if you don't have your legs and you're tired, it changes the whole dynamic of your shot and your form. Right. It really does. And so, but you do want to practice enough to do it when you are, Luke, because you're going to be tired somewhat during the game. So you're not going to be fresh all the time. So you have to have the repetition over and over again. And, and, and that's important. I mean, it's really very important, but you also have to have someone be able to watch you or take video of and go review it and see what you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, what you're doing wrong. This is why I still talk today. And my, my son, Scooter, had this thing, you know, called the shooting sleeve. I mean, it was the greatest teaching tool I've ever seen in my life. And if, I know if I was playing today, I'd have I'd be making, you know, 50 million dollars a year. I would buy the company. I would use that to train every single day. I tried to tell Steph one time about it. And I said, Steph, if you had this, it was a couple of seasons ago. He was going through a really tough straight you know, stage of shooting and not well. I said, Steph, if you had this sleeve. 
and this is what you worked with, you would never get into this slump because all you do is put the sleeve on, you go out and you shoot, and the sleeve would have told you exactly what you're doing incorrectly compared to what you're doing when you're on your game. That's how sophisticated it is. And it's just an amazing technology that can be used in a lot of other sports. So, I mean, as good as the technology is out there, they missed the boat on this. And my son Scooter tried to get some teams to do it. He took, he had, he had, he had DeAndre Jordan, okay, got him to be shooting with not, with just a few you know sessions that he had with him, changed his entire shooting form using the sleeve to help talk to him and walk him through it, and had him shooting between seventy-five and eighty percent. And he lost the sleeve and other coaches. He then he goes and he goes and he goes to Andre Drummond and he and he get a major change in what he was doing. But the coach there, you know, Stan, Stan Van Gundy didn't want to do anything during the season. Hey, if a guy's shooting as bad as that, you want to do anything you can immediately. <laughs> immediately. If you can get any improvement at all, you make the change because it's the one part of the game at the free throw line, especially where it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not going to screw up the rest of his game. So, yeah, there's a, there's stuff out there. There really is stuff out there. I mean, if I had the money, I would resurrect that because I've never seen anything like it. I know that Scooter's teammate, Mark Turgeon, who was coaching at Maryland, had some of his guys on his team use the sleeve and do stuff. They improved their percent. They improved their free throw percentage by over 10 points. And this is a sleeve that basically collects data on your form. You put it in the form. You shoot it. It, it, it. it absolutely, every time you shoot, it tracks whether or not you're flat, whether or not your elbow's out, whether or not you follow through. It's un. It's the greatest teaching tool I have ever seen. Yeah. And Scooter still owns the patent to this thing? He's no, but it's someone... there and it's still available. And, you know, I've tried to talk to a number of people and I, I don't understand why somebody like a Mark Huber or somebody wouldn't want to do it and buy this because it wouldn't cost very much to have it. And why in the world, I mean, Under Armour wouldn't get Steph Curry to have this. And you put the Steph Curry shooting sleeve out there that it, you couldn't make them fast enough because every kid, because he's loved and adored by you know young people especially yes, he is and you, and you actually you could buy the sleeve and you could program steph's actual form into the sleeve and the kid would put it on and when he went to shoot it would help him to actually learn how to have the exact same form that steph curry has shooting a basketball mark cuban has a tv show called uh the shark right uh shark on the shark tank yeah shouldn't you go on that isn't that a perfect no step? because it's not something where it's i mean the, the market for it is just basketball you know people are going to play basketball it's not like right. multi-millions of things and they're only looking for the you know the huge yeah yeah so it's, like a B, it's a b2b technology but still that's that, you're right that it sounds crazy every every time you describe it it sounds like the perfect invention to improve your shot, and yet for some reason no one's capitalizing on it. Yeah, it it's, it's, it's it's almost it's beyond comprehension to me how <laughs> well, yeah. a lot of times, like they say, the old cliche, a lot of times people can't see the forest through the trees. Correct. Uh, Under Arbor can with Stephen Curry though. Have you ever heard about the? I, the I know what's that. Uh, apparently, they're going to give him a new lifetime contract uh, where he's going to earn in excess of a billion dollars from under armor oh my Stephen god Curry. well they definitely need to get the sleeve then i mean seriously because they would make that money back in no time they i mean if a kid goes to a camp today right and they're spending 500 dollars or more or something like that even way more than that someplace to go for five days or whatever when they come back what do they actually learn and what do they have you could buy this sleeve and it'd be cheaper than going to a camp and the kid can use it every single day and there is no doubt it will make him a better shooter no right at all right uh, it sounds insane. Yeah, oh, amazing. It's amazing. Um, 
Okay, so we have other things to talk about. We have some other people that we can do something. Let's go, uh, what is this here? Uh, okay, Johnny, John the Greek. Okay, let's see what happens. What do we got him oh, here? that name. John the Greek. Okay, I know Jimmy the Greek. I work with Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> uh, if you don't know people, for those of you who are younger, Jimmy the Greek was a guy that did stuff on NFL football. He talked about NFL football and basketball and whatever. And gambling. And a lot of gambling. Yeah, he was like one of the first gambling guys. That came. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, he's been a native New York. He said, I've been a native New Yorker, and they're a long time, a long time Knicks fan. Oh, lucky you. Uh, what do you think the Knicks are going to do this year? And now that there's so many good teams in the NBA, Golden State's great, of course, and Milwaukee is doing great stuff. Uh, what the hell does New York have? Okay, I, 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 they, they got a problem. I don't, I don't necessarily expect that they're going to be a team that's going to be in contention for the championship. So, uh, you know, you're going to suffer. I'm, I'm afraid the suffering is not over for you. Oh hell no! I don't, I don't think so. Sorry. They were idiots, Rick. I, in my opinion, they were idiots for not pursuing Donovan Mitchell. I, I, like, when you're in their position, you need superstars, even if you're going to be giving up more than you should. Because the alternative is what they have now, which is going to be another team that, if they're lucky, makes the play-in. At worst case, which is probably what's going to happen, they're just going to miss the playoffs altogether. Yeah, I, I, it blows my mind they did not go all out oh, to get Donovan Mitchell. I know, it's crazy. And Jason yeah. Pollard's called in. Uh, I wonder if he's related to uh, to my son John's teammate, Pollard. Um, so, <laughs> so he and we answered this, you know, the, I see the Warriors are contenders. Hey, the Warriors are the defending champions. What do you mean, are they contenders? They're going to be everybody's target. Because when you go into the next season, it's for teams that aren't that good, if they can beat the defending champion, that's a huge accomplishment for them. So, and the beauty of it is, is the players, Steph, obviously, and Draymond and Clay know that when they step out on that court, that they're the target. Every game that they're playing in, everybody wants to beat them. So you yep. need to mentally be prepared and ready to do, to play because you're going to be challenged every night. That's why one of the things I loved about the fact that with my success that I had playing offensively is I knew I had to be ready every night to play because the best defender on the other team was going to be guarding me as well as the defense being focused. Not as much as in college where, you know, you go against the box, box in one and triangle in two and they focused everything, you know, towards me. That's why I said when I went to the pros, I said, holy crap, I already got one guy guarding me. This is unbelievable. I love this. And so... <laughs> You're ready to go. And so the Warriors definitely, I think, as we talked about, if everything falls into place for them and everybody stays healthy, I think the Warriors are going to be a team that can win the championship back-to-back again. Easily. Rick, yeah. you and I have talked about this a lot, and you've said this a lot on this show, that it, you're, you've gotten tired of the talking heads on networks like ESPN, Fox Sports, and their opinions, right? And why are people putting so much weight on their opinion versus brighter individuals who know the game better like yourself? And here's case in point. Zach Lowe of ESPN literally wrote on Twitter today, are the Bucks just flat-out title favorites? Flat-out title favorites. Why? Why would you come to that conclusion? They've done nothing this offseason to improve their roster. <laughs> the Warriors are the defending world champions. I always go back to, I think it was March or April, when the Warriors and Bucks played a nationally televised Saturday game. Without Draymond Green, the Warriors thumped them. And that was a game both teams were trying hard in. I do not see why someone like Zach Lowe in his position, a talking head, uh, says the Bucks are the flat-out favorites. I, Cyrus, I think that is why, why do people always ask? They ask me, "Well, who do you who do you who do you who do you like for next season?" I said, "I'll tell you what. Let's have another conversation in April, and then maybe we can have an intelligent conversation. How the hell do I know who's going to be there? I'm saying the Warriors. I think have a chance to be there. I'm saying they have a chance. I don't know." I mean, there's so many variables and factors that have come into play. 
have a conversation in April when you see, are they healthy? How are they playing right now? What have they done? Blah, blah, blah. Now you can have a reasonably intelligent decision. And I've been asked all the years I did all the broadcast, what do you say? I've never answered the question. I said, I have no idea. Because if I, had, <laughs> if I had any idea, I wouldn't have to work for a living. I would just go beg. True. If yeah. I really knew, I would not I would never bet a nickel on a basketball game. No, seriously, I have no idea. I've tried messing around and seeing what the point spread is and seeing who I can pick and do it. And he said, if you live by this model when you watch the pro sports, but especially basketball, which you know I'm more into, obviously, is that always expect the unexpected. Right. Anything Absolutely. can happen. That's why you play the games, right? That's I mean, in fact, life, from the, right? I'm here back in New York doing something here with saying that my dear friend, my dear teammate Clipper Ray's dear friend and, and Donna Bernstein from from Oklahoma, and mm -hmm. it's New York, right? It's there. It's 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 just unbelievable how people go so wrapped up in things and think of what's going on and what's going to happen. I don't know the answer to it. I really don't. I, I wish I did have the answer to it, but I, I don't know. I, I absolutely don't know. Basketball is so unpredictable. Anyway, it is what it people, is. I think what people love to hear from you, though, is if you had to guess. But that's all it is. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's right. But they want to guess. No, I can I can honestly say that you know the thing. No, the Knicks are not going to win a championship next year. I would bet some money on that. Okay, that the Knicks are not going to win a championship next year. Okay, but when you start asking me about teams that are good teams and doing it, there's too many other variables that come in. But there are some teams that it's pretty obvious that they're not going to win a championship. Okay, no. Now the Warriors. The Warriors were a big surprise like last year at the beginning of the season. Eh, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, they were playing well. I say, hey, it's interesting. You know, they might have a shot to do it. I don't know. But even then, they went through a stretch where it looked like all of a sudden they lost it. Remember, they suffered and struggled. But they got it back together at the end. So in, in February, if you were talking about the Warriors, probably you would say, no, that, I don't think they can win. Right? But then things changed. And so that's why you just have to wait and see and Hope the team stays healthy and have some fun. But the thing I love about the Warriors is they're fun to watch. I can't absolutely, even express, absolutely, I can't even express adequately how much I enjoy watching Steph Curry play. Unbelievable! You're right. The he has so much fun. He's just—I I just love watching him play. I, the guy is just—he's remarkable. The things that he can do. And then I hear people knocking him and saying, "Oh, blah blah, this that." And then you have the guys coming out. My God, you talk about the talking heads. I read a story. Oh, a couple of months ago or something, they were picking the best centers. They didn't have Will Chamberlain on their list. They're idiots. They're idiots. I, mean, I saw that. I mean, that was just moronic. It's, just like, it, it's, it's beyond my comprehension that anybody could just go back and watch film and look at what this guy did. I mean, yep. there's never going to be another center because, I mean, we don't even have the center on the All-Star ballot anymore. So there. Uh, but there's never going to be another center who will be as dominant as he was during his time. Shaq was dominant during his time. Unbelievable mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, how many really great centers did he play against? Rick, he never fouled out of a game, ever. That's crazy. No, well, he crazy. actually, one season, he averaged over 48 minutes a game because he played every minute Ooh. every game. I mean, it was it's remarkable what the, what the man accomplished. It really is. And so you just have to understand. And stop, please, people, stop comparing one era to another era. The game is different. The game is yep. played differently now than it was back then. So stop them. Compare the people in their eras. You can have a great conversation. And who's the best at each position? Not who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. That is such a joke in team sports. I, and I say it all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it until people stop doing it. But they're going to keep doing it all the time, and they do it all the time. Oh, he's the greatest of all time. No. 
He may be the, you could have a great company. Who's the greatest two guard? Who's the greatest point guard? They have a next conversation within their own era. Don't try to compare the various errors against one another because it's a different game. The game has, there's been an evolution to the game. The three point shot has totally changed it. And, you know, some of the guys playing earlier on would have a tough time playing now because they wouldn't be good enough shooters. But that doesn't mean that they couldn't become better shooters. Right. If that was part of the game. Uh, Rick, I have a question from uh, Taylor Dubikos. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, if you don't mind me playing this, because I've, I've been, people ask me this a lot too, and I love the insights. This is from Taylor. Here we go. Yeah. Hey, Rick and Cyrus. Uh, wanted to get your ideas and opinion on how the Warriors should continue to develop Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman uh, while still trying to compete for a championship this year. What do you mean develop them? Shit, they need to be playing. I mean, get Moody, get Moody some more time. You know, based upon how well he put, I think Moody's going to be a nice player for them. I really do. And the same, same. thing with Kaminga. I mean, but the only way you you can't listen, you can only get better to a certain degree by sitting and watching and learn. Well, that's what they're going to play. Have to, play this you yeah. have to play. You have to play. You have to be out there and have a chance to understand various nuances of the game and learn through the experiences that you have and not get down if you're having a tough time. That's one of the things I respected most about Poole. You know, when he first came in, I wasn't high on him. Same. Yep. Most people weren't. Yeah. I mean, I really was. I mean, the shots he was taking, the things he was doing. And I always say the one of the best things the Warriors did was to send Poole back to the G League team down to Santa Cruz. And to his credit, he made the most of it. He got back his company, came and changed his game. And turned out to be a very important part of the team's success and championship. Oh, hell so yeah. I totally admire that. And that's a perfect indication of the way you have to approach things in life. Don't get down on yourself. You're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. If you have intelligence, you minimize those mistakes and you don't make the same mistakes over and over again. And and to Poole's credit, he was able to do that. Same thing. Kaminga has incredible uh, potential. Mm-hmm. And athleticism and things of that nature. The thing I was most impressed by him when I first saw him when he first was on the team was in the summer league when I saw that he actually has a good feel for the game and he saw right. people and he was making nice passes to people. Really, players who have a natural feel for the game is who, that's who I want on my team. If you don't have that quality, I'll get somebody else. I don't care how athletic you are. I don't care how impressive it is that you do it. If you don't have a natural feel for the game, you will never be as good as a guy who has natural feel for the game. And if you get a guy with natural feel who has the athleticism, now you have something special. You have a LeBron James doing it who, you know, I mean, has done remarkable things in his career, obviously. Uh, But even he could be better. Seriously, you know, I talked about he could be even way better than what he is. And he's pretty damn good right now. Yep. I mean, seriously, the career he's had, but he he was never good facing up. He was off the dribble, not, I mean, no good. We, I talked about, you know, his shot was horrible in his first two and a half years. He's never been an 80% free throw shooter. And so it's God's equalizer. I mean, he doesn't want to give everybody everything. I always joke and said, if LeBron had learned how to be a great shooter and somebody had worked on that for him to do that, and he had a nice feel for facing up and, some things that I would love to have had a chance to have shown him. I mean, it had been scary how good he was. I mean, it's almost frightening now how good he is in the things that he does because there's never been a guy like him. He's a man. He was a man child coming into the game. So anyway, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with some of these other young people. But the Warriors have a lot of really 
great potential young talent. This is a team that, God willing, that these guys you know, decide to hang around. They have the money to keep the guys there for a long period of time, and they develop and have to keep the good attitude. This could be one of those teams that's kind of like what the the Lakers did during the Showtime era, what the what the Spurs did over all those periods of time when they like they could find a way to win back to back, but every other year they seem to find a way to win and be good. It could be a team like that, I think, for quite a while right now. They went through the tough time when KD left and the injuries and things, but it's very promising. And, you know, as a oh, Warriors yeah. fan, I'm, I'm very happy for what has uh, has been done. I think Bob Myers done a great job with some of the personnel he's brought in, and uh, it's good. It's it's nice to see. Are you going to all the games this year? I'm, I'm going to try to make more appearances this season. Are you? No, I mean, I'm, well, I'm that time of the year. I'm in Florida all the time, so unless there's right. something happening to get back out there and do something, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, obviously, if I have the opportunity, I will go. I mean, and I'll watch them because I enjoy. I just I'll record if there's a game a chance to do it. I, I record. Here's the thing: I wish that they would. I can't understand why the NBA with their deal. You know, with direct T, or NBA TV, whatever it is. Why? Why did they not get every former player? free access to watch NBA games on TV. You know, why do we, why should we have to pay to be able to watch the sport that we are a part of to help develop it into what it was? Should we get free service to watch NBA games? I mean, how much is that yes. going to cost them? Seriously. Answer it's like question. nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hell. I mean, seriously. Yes. The hell is that? What, I have to, I'm going to have to pay to watch a freaking NBA game? I only have to wait and hope that my team gets on, you know, on one of the national games or something or on you know, TNT or something. I mean, come on. What the hell? So what you're so what you're saying is, Rick, is instead of spending what two hundred fifty dollars, whatever it costs for NBA League Pass, you should be getting it for free. I agree with you. Yes. Why not? Every former player should be able to have a free access to the games. Why not? At least the Hall of Famer should. It doesn't yes. cost them. How much does it cost? It hardly costs them anything. It's not a matter. I sure I could afford to do it. It's the principle of it. <laughs> I totally agree with you. What if, did you watch the Hall of Fame ceremony? By the way, we had a couple of names you're you're very familiar with: Tim Hardaway, George Carl, two former guests of your show. Uh, you didn't go this year, but no, I was. I had I had an appearance to do something. I, I do some stuff for uh, Skyline Lean Company that's out of Florida, and I was up in the mountains of uh, of Colorado doing something nice. up in Beaver Creek. It was beautiful. Actually, they said it right. It was like 98 degrees or something up there at this time of the year. It was like insane. But it's so beautiful up there, and uh, you know, Rolando and, and Joe, the guys that I was working with, they're just awesome guys, and it's fun. And it was gonna be too much. I couldn't get back in time to get there actually, because you lose time going that way. And I'm up in the mountains, right. so by the time I got down to get to Denver or to Vale and find connections, I mean, I wouldn't have been there for the ceremonies. Might have got there Saturday morning if I was lucky. <laughs> I can, what does it feel like rick i mean because because very few people are ever going to understand that perspective what does it feel like to put that jacket on to, to the speech the accolades just knowing you're in this the most exclusive of clubs on the planet what does it what does it feel like how can you describe well first that? of all it's yeah it's 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 certainly an honor to be chosen for that but i didn't play that's an individual honor mm -hmm. this is not an individual sport so Hall of Fame. I mean, it means something to me. Yes, it does. Am I proud of it? Absolutely, I'm proud of it. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, championships. I mean, I played to be a champion and I was lucky enough to be on two teams. Unfortunately, my ABA team, I did. I played really well, but then I got hurt and I missed the playoffs and my teammates came through and we won the title, but I wasn't a part of that. And it just crushed me to not be a part of that. Then came close and, you know, in my second year in the NBA, I came mm -hmm. close doing that and we lost to the Sixers team in six games 
This is why I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what they do with this documentary that's going to come out, three-part series on Will Chamberlain. I mean, I think any basketball fan needs to watch that to have an idea of just how incredible this man was in the game of basketball because to have somebody not put him on the list of the greatest centers is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, check that out if you can. And then I'm still Which waiting. Can't, what is it on? Like ESPN? I, I don't, I don't know where it's going to be or who's broadcasting I'll it, look it up real quick, but it's going to be, it's going to be great. And then there's another one. George Carl actually was involved. I just did an interview and stuff on that and talking about the ABA as well. So there's going to be a couple of nice documentaries coming out, but the most important one of all, it's the one that's going to come out about the 1975 Golden State yes. Warriors. That's, that's only about it's only about 50 years overdue, but uh, at least you know better late than never, as they say. And so I'm really excited about that and looking forward to seeing what can be done to make that into a, a real big uh, debut or premiere or whatever it may be. And hopefully Joe Lakeup and Peter Goober will get behind it. We can do something really special, uh, special for that. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking at Kevin Garnett as part of the production team behind the Will Chamberlain documentary. Um, I, I, apparently, it is not determined where it's going to broadcast yet, but I'm I'm excited for it. And you're going to be featured in this, apparently, right? Like you said. Well, not featured. I mean, I did. I went out and I did. You know, I did interviews about it and told about it and got some pictures and stuff. And all one of the great ones is that when we both Wilt and I were with Spalding basketballs and stuff. And there's Wilt standing there live holding a seven, you know, a, a life size poster of me in my uniform talking about it, which was kind of cute. Nice. Uh, and we had a couple of other things where we were together. And then I'm trying to find the, the video. I don't know if I can find it. Maybe the Warriors have it. Of, uh, Nate Thurman, my dear friend, who's no longer with us, had a celebrity roast and stuff. And I got roasted in San Francisco. And Wilt was on the dais. And, and then when I got up to talk, and, you know, I said, what are you, you guys got to be joking? This is supposed to be a roast. You guys were awful. I mean, and then I jumped and I, and I started reading it. I started reading about Wilt's accolades and stuff. And he did this, 22 and a point five rebounds for his career, scored 50 points, you know, per season. This is amazing. 100 points in a game, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and he shot 50% from the free throw line? And they had a great close-up of Wilt taking a big dunk. It was funny. It was very funny. So I'm hoping <laughs> to find that footage so they can stick that footage into that documentary. Please I got do. I got to know Wilt afterwards and got to see his crazy house up in the hills in Los Angeles. You know, we had like, I, I think the doors are like nine foot doors or something. And he didn't have any angles or something. His bed was, you know, a big, huge bed and flap. And it opened up to the sky. He had a roof that opened up above his bed. Uh, he was an interesting guy. He had a souped up car that he had, uh, American car. He just had it souped up crazy that was so fast. And he would pull up. And he took the seat, the back, you know, he took the seat and took the runners and moved it all the way back so he could fit in the car, you know, stick shift and all. And he would go up and rev the engine up and try to race against the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris down in L.A. and just blow them off the road. I mean, he was a very, very interesting guy. It's just so sad that uh, that he's not with us because, you know, he could have been with us for this too. Had he got in, he got a checkup. His sister Barbara was so mad at him. And, and I didn't know about it. And she told me, and I said, oh, my God, that's just so sad. You know, again, go get your checkups, folks. It's so like my mom. If my mom got her checkup, she never would have had the strokes that she had. And she oh, could have lived a lot longer. I mean, it's so please, I beg you, go go see the doctor at least once a year. I mean, go get your checkups. I mean, be preventative. Life is too precious to, to give right. up, you know? I got to do that stupid colonoscopy. I've never done one. I, I got no, to, uh, it's worth. You got to go do it. It's not I a know. big deal. It's, it's no big deal. And supposedly the Wilt Chair documentary, it's not official, but I think Showtime might be where it's going to be uh, airing. But yeah, I'm excited for that. You you definitely got me. And the Warriors won. Jesus. I mean, with that roast you just mentioned, I'm excited for that too. Good stuff coming in the future. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And sure. so 
go. This, I had a couple other things in notes as far as things that I thought were interesting, Edwards. But um, you know, anything else? Let's get a few more of these guys that uh, who had called in for us. The Jack, sure. what's Jack here? Jack, there was some ch- chatter over the summer. Uh, let me see. I'm going to take a look and see what he said. Over oh, the, we already, we already uh, played that. Oh, we did, Jack. Yeah, yeah, that. Then we got Taylor. Uh, oh, Chris Cohn. Uh, how did you decide that you wanted to shoot Granny's free throw style? Well, come on, that's old news. I mean, my father yeah. was a semi pro player and coach, so he's the one that got me to do it. Thank God he was relentless. I only did it to get him off my back. He was driving me nuts, but thank God he was that way because otherwise I would never have been as good a free throw shooter as I was for sure. So, anyway, uh, I got a, here's one from a Tommy uh, Ketch again, yeah, on that right that might be good. Here, let's listen to what Tommy has to say. Hey, Rick. From your perspective, what impact has AAU or club basketball had on the sport in general? It seems like at the high school level, basketball has pretty much become a year-round game with less athletes participating in multiple sports. Just curious to get your take on the topic. Thanks. Yeah, I tell you, Tom, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I've never been a big fan. I'm not saying it's all bad uh, with AAU basketball. Um, I think too many of the programs um, – these uh, the coaches aren't doing enough teaching. Um, they try to get as good a player as they can, and they get all these other kids that have their parents pay a bunch of money so that they can subsidize the kids who are really good. And the kids don't aren't very good. All paid money to go ahead and take care of the other guys. But you know that's just one aspect I'm not happy with. But what I, I just don't like the teaching. I think sometimes you just get the best athletes they can, tell them to go out in the court and run faster, jump higher, and just outplay them on sheer athleticism. And don't teach them the nuances of the game, which I think is unfortunate. Now, I'm not saying, again, that every group is that way. There are some very good coaches who do a great job with it. I try to keep my youngest son, Canyon, away from it. And I experienced some of that because he was a late developer, um, wasn't real happy with it. And probably the one thing I think is the worst part of it is that they play way too many games over a weekend. I mean, it's insane. And then they have the travel teams with the money they have to be spent to go. They go to these tournaments, and the guys that put the tournaments on all want to make some money. And so you literally could go on a Friday. Sometimes if it's not too far away, you go Friday, leave, go there, maybe play two games Friday night, then play three games, or maybe sometimes even four games during the day on Saturday. Wow. And then play again on Sunday. I mean, a kid, especially at the younger ages, your body is not fully developed. I mean, I really think that's why a lot of these kids get hurt and they get broken down because they're playing too much basketball. And I do think it's a good idea to go ahead and and do other sports and not just be hung up on doing it all year round in basketball. You get burnt out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think if it done properly, it could be great. Anything... That's about fundamentals and teaching the basics of the game is critical. And that's not happening well enough. There are so many, there are tons of guys in the NBA right now who are there because of their sheer athleticism, but they'll never be as good as they should be because they don't really understand the nuances of the game and the fundamentals of the game to take full advantage of the amazing God-given talent that they have. And they have, they, they are so gifted. Some of these guys, I mean, I sit there and I'm, I'm jealous of them. I say, Oh my God, if I could, if I had that kind of athleticism, I'm a pretty damn good athlete. But I said, some of these guys are just off the freaking charts. And to have that, see, I knew I could, I could, I was always going to, I'm going to beat the guy guarding me, okay? I mean, he's not going to, I mean, this lockdown defender, I talk about that all the time when I hear a former player, well, he's a lockdown defender. I said, well, maybe you got locked down. I don't remember that lockdown. And, and so I'm beating that first guy, right? But I had to figure out, I had to figure out a way to trick the second guy 
these guys are so athletic, they don't worry about the second guy. Shit, they jump over and dunk over them. <laughs> you know, it's like it's crazy how good they are. Crazy. You see the highlight films. You watch some of the highlights of John Moran. See some of the crazy stuff this guy does. Wow. I mean, and what LeBron was able to do with his sheer power and strength and all. I mean, it's yeah, Dwayne Wade. I mean, just you can name so many guys that are just incredible the and things then, that they do. And then Steph. That's why Steph's so loved because Steph uh, is like a normal Amiga. guy, right? Because you know he's not some guy with the big biceps and the stuff and some man. You know he's a guy. I mean, he's just another guy that kids can relate to. He's a he's a guy. He's nothing special physically, but my God, the guy what he does. I mean, shooting and playing the game and doing it with such a joy. Oh my God! I just I love watching this guy play. Absolutely yep. love watching him play. And that's why I'm so excited about Jonathan Kaminga because he's he's this incredible raw physical talent. But like you said, he's he, he has a feel for the game. Like his left is developed at his age. I don't see a lot of players with it with their left with their left hand as natural as that. I don't know if he's ambidextrous or not, but um, I, yeah, Kaminga excites me. But I'm also with you where Moses Moody seems a little more NBA ready. I'm just excited for this Warriors team. You know, people ask me a lot uh, about James Wiseman. Uh, do you have any thoughts on him? I mean, you know, I, well, I, I, as I say, he has looks like he has a really terrific potential. The thing I like right. about him, he's very athletic. He runs like a deer. I mean, he can really run. Um, he's he's got good, good, you know, good foot movement and things of that nature. Right. Uh, could be. I think he could be a great, great weak side defender to you know intimidate guys with shooting and things of that nature. Um, looks like he has fairly decent shooting form as well. So it's just going to be a matter. I don't know how good a feel he has for the game. I haven't really got yeah. to see him enough as to whether he has that or not, but he certainly has, uh, he, he has a big upside. He really does. How good it's going to be. I, I, it just remains to be seen. He sees yeah. a huge, huge question mark for the team. I mean, no doubt about that, but I think, you know, Moody can shoot the ball. Um, I think he has a nice feel for the game. So, yes, he does. but yes, here's he does. the thing. There's things that, for pool, God, I'd like to get my hands on pool and Kaminga. I mean, there's some things that they, I mean, if they actually learn how to use the talent that they have in the most effective and efficient way possible, I, I think they would get really excited about how much easier the game would be for them that to be able to take advantage of defenders in the way that they play. And just overall about reading defenses and understanding the two-man game and, you know, that's another driving me nuts stuff to think about the moving screens and not knowing how to run a two man game. And I hear coaches, former coaches in the NBA talking about you didn't set a very good screen. Well, shit, you don't set anything in basketball. You don't set anything. You're a stationary object. Just put yourself in the right position. It's my responsibility to run my man into you. And then I make you a screener. But you don't <laughs> because it, it I mean, I just I hate it's hard for me to watch games and listen to what people are talking about, Cyrus. It really is. And <laughs> And don't give me this bullshit about old school. No, this is the way the freaking game was supposed to be played. Yes. And they're not yes. playing it the right way, and they're not taking advantage of it and utilizing it as effectively as they can. And it just drives me nuts when I have to watch that. It really does. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's screens come. I don't want a screen coming from the top of the key so I can go to the top of the key. Shit, I want to go to the basket. I mean, it's anyway, don't get me going. <laughs> well, I got to remind people, uh, Rick Barry needs help with his Instagram account. Oh, my God. out there. Can help because Instagram, who's owned by Facebook, uh, they don't take calls. You're not getting any help. And but hey, check it. out. I'm going to start using Mic'd Up. But Mic'd Up is cool. I, I could literally do my own reality show with Mic'd Up. And I'm going to start doing some stuff. Like I was just with, 
and I, for some reason, I didn't have my phone with me at all to do it with the app, but I was just with Alonzo Mourning, had a great talk with him, had a great talk with, you know, uh, Byron Scott was there talking about, I asked him, you know, about what did he think about the Laker thing, that bullshit documentary, whatever that series was that they oh, did. Oh, yeah, Winning Time, yeah. That made, no, the first one, the first, yeah, the first one, right. I mean, the first one that made, made Jerry West look just so horrible, but it made everybody look horrible. And they had a little disclaimer at the start of it, you know, taking liberty with things, you know, based on blah, blah, blah. And then I guess another one's coming out supposedly is a little bit nicer. Okay. But that was, that was horrible. I mean, that was that was a disservice to every every member of that team to do what they did there to just to, to glorify something and make it into something controversial. But it was horrible. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, what, what somebody could have done if they did against any team. I mean, it's horrible. I just hated it. So yeah. anyway, but that's the kind of stuff that's going on. But I, I, you know, I run into people all the time. I mean, I was, I was at Victor Green, the, the former Jets football players charity event, and there's all kinds of people there. The bus was there, Jerome Bettis. I mean, so I can, you know, get these guys, talk to them, do stuff. I, I mean, I could do it. My life is pretty interesting. And when I travel around. Hell yeah. I mean, so I, I might, I'm, I'm going to, and it all depends. If I have, if I have good Wi-Fi service or can get on the thing to do it, to be able to record things and do it, I'm, I'm going to really look into trying to do that. I think it could be fun for all the people who like stuff to go ahead and see some of the craziness that uh, that goes on in, in my life. You have 14,400 followers on Instagram. You got to get that account back. You've invested too much. I mean, you, at a minimum, you could just use that for marketing. There's value there. Uh, yeah. That's ridiculous. You got to, yeah, I, I hope you figure that out because that's, that's asinine that they're not helping you. It really is. It's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I've tried everything I could do. I've, you know, I've sent in more things every day trying to explain to them. I mean, why can't I get the code to go ahead and get into my account? I mean, it's crazy. You well, know? someone help us. Uh, you can email the show at warriors24pod at gmail.com. And by the anyway, people can follow you still on Twitter. They can follow you on Instagram, even if you don't, don't have access to it yet. But your social media handles are rick24barry. Uh, help the man out. Email us, or you can direct message me at dogsurfrocho. By the way, the top of my Twitter account is where you can find this shirt, which on the back of it has Rick Barry's number on it. I am wearing yeah, the shirt I can see of it, the man it. who uh, is hosting the show right now. Yes, so, but you folks, can that, that. do you know that? Do you know that that jersey was that one that was the, was the most popular jersey, or one of certainly one of the most popular jerseys from design wise and all, with the bridge on the front and the cable car on the back. That was from the 66, 67 season. It was That's uh, awesome. I love yeah. it. It was, I love it. That was a pretty cool jersey. And it was yeah, also right. one of the first jerseys that came out that wasn't super heavy in doing stuff and had the ones with the little holes. But I'll tell you, the only thing bad about that, yeah. if you had to go and have a jersey to get signed, you can never sign it on the jersey with the holes because it was so hard. <laughs> and depending, it was hard. So you only can sign it on the number of the back. I mean, right. <laughs> I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah, that's crazy. I never never thought about that. But they do breathe, right? I mean, I'm guessing you're suffocating a little more with it when they didn't have the holes. Or no, I don't know. You yeah, know, well, like, they were they were hot. They were, you know, full heavy stuff. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have the polyester kind of things that, you know, that are able to breathe and dry out quickly and do stuff. And that especially was tough early because we had to wash our own uniforms, take them in the shower after a game and hope and pray that they dried out before the game the next night in another city. So it's a little different world, folks, that, we, that, that I experienced when we were playing. You know, but hey, eight dollars a day per diem my first year. <laughs> you know that you've seen that movie Semi Pro with uh, Will Ferrell. They, I guess they 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 wanted you to be a consultant on there to help Jack the Moon with the, the yeah. his form for his underhanded free throws. But was there any accuracy there? I love that movie. It it, it obviously you know covers a fictional ABA team in that era. But is there did did you relate when you saw that film? 
No, I, to be honest with you, I never saw the film. Please watch. I it. mean, I, I just, I just, I know I saw little pieces and stuff of Mourinho shooting the free throws and stuff. I mean, it was, I, I didn't like it because it was almost like you're making fun of the league. I, I yeah. think you should watch it and let me know if, if, if yeah, that's yeah. the impression you get. So you know, so be it. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't get that. It was just a comedy. Uh, I mean, they do mock it in terms of the 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 money. Thank that you. Was, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, listen, this was my livelihood, okay? So it's a little bit different. You can watch it from an entertainment standpoint, but when correct. you played it, it, it you know, it, it, it's near and dear to my heart. I mean, I have great respect for those guys. I am so excited about what's happened, and I give so much credit, and I'll say it again, to the Players Association and the NBA but doing what they did to the guys in the ABA who never got a pension because they had Finally. no responsibility to do it. No, it wasn't a pension. It was just some money that they were willing to go ahead and put out to kind of help these guys out. There's not a whole bunch of those guys that are still left who got absolutely nothing. And, you know, and Scott Tarter, the guy from Indianapolis, deserves so much credit for the time and the effort without one penny going his way uh, to to get that done. I mean, it, it, meant, it, it meant so much to so many guys. It's a shame that they couldn't have done it earlier. Mm -hmm. But again, the NBA and especially the Players Association, the current players, it had no obligation whatsoever to do anything. And that just, that just, it just means so much to me that they did that for these guys to take care of the guys who came before you, that they wouldn't be in the position they're in and have the amazing lives that they have and make the kind of money they're making. If it weren't for all of those guys in the ABA and the NBA, because without them, the league wouldn't be what it is today. No, you're right. I mean, the only the only uh, response I'll have to that that's not positive is it's a shame it took them this long. But I'm glad that you and Dr. J were at the forefront of this and 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 getting some. Uh, I don't know what the right vernacular is for the money you're getting for these individuals, but uh, it's not. I mean, what is it's, no? It's, 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 just, not, it's not a lot, but whatever it is, it helps. And the nice yeah. thing they even did for in the last year or whatever it is, a bunch of the guys died, and they're still giving uh, whatever that money was for that year. They're giving that to the to their widow or whever their beneficiary was. That's and good. Yeah, it's a nice, a very nice gesture in their part. With all the money that's being out there and spent, so you know, kudos to them for that. Anyway, uh, a lot of good things going on in the world that we haven't talked. I didn't even talk about all the other craziness going on in the world of sports. How about how about Judge? I mean, you know, Aaron run. Judge. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. right. There's, but there's, it's crazy how baseball has just really fallen off the, the the map in terms of relevancy. Because you're right, twenty years ago, Aaron Judge would be front and center on every sports media platform. So would uh, uh, Otashi or Otani. Otani, yeah. Apologies if I'm butchering his name. Otani, yeah, I mean, yeah he's got he's making crazy money though. Incredible. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a whole different world out there, but I mean, it's still a remarkable accomplishment to do it. I saw the, the old talking heads out there going <laughs> after it with some Stephen A and stuff talking about who's the home run king. And, you know, he wanted to say, well, it's Barry Bonds. He had 73. And no, it's then, not. I mean, it's, I mean, and then I said, well, it's really Roger Maris because Roger Maris did it before they were taking steroids and all the other stuff and then blah, blah, blah. I mean, so. Isn't it Hammer and Hank? I mean, isn't it still safe to say Hammer and Hank is who we should be calling the home run king? I don't know. You tell me. Well, as far as the number, I'm just talking about for single season. You know, Roger right, Maris right. obviously is the guy with the 61 home runs. I remember watching that and all. And so. That was kind of that was kind of fun to do that. Did you see him age? Is it true? Like he literally aged as the season went along. I mean, that's the, the that he story. got gray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his hair yeah. I got to meet his. I got to meet his son doing stuff. I actually played in. The, they had a 
charity event that they had back out in you know his home state and city and played in that a couple of times and got to meet his son and all but it was a great accomplishment i mean he well he and mickey Mantle. i mean that was it was really kind of cool growing up because oh, i was yeah. a big baseball fan i was a better baseball player that was my sport baseball that's what i followed well, in, well enlighten people on your your number 24 like like where that came oh, from. willie mays that's willie yeah. mays is my boyhood hero and then and, and elgin baylor was when i got into basketball it was elgin mm-hmm. baylor that i followed and god rest his soul we just you know lost him and uh but he was the guy that I, I, I admired and would practice. It's like people say, just that I would go in the gym and I would go in because of what I saw Baylor doing. I would go and drive across the middle, get up in the air, take the ball way back here, throw up stuff crazy, trying to do this. And so a lot of the stuff when I made stuff, it wasn't luck. I practiced that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I literally copied what Elgin was doing. I didn't have, I couldn't palm the ball. I wish I could have palmed the ball like he could and Dr. J because, man, the things you could do with that if you were able to do, well, I couldn't do that. You know, so I just tried to make the most of what I had to work with. But, um, I, you know, and that's the one other thing that bothers me, too, about some of the athletes. You know, I, you know, I love Charles and Stephanie, but, you know, you are a role model. I mean, whether you want to be or not, kids follow yeah. sports. I know I did. I was crushed when I went to see the Giants came ever in New York at the time. And they came over to do an exhibition over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And I went over to see it. I was hoping, obviously, Willie Mays is who I wanted to get to meet and stuff. And, you know, Willie didn't come out. But, uh there was there was another player on the team. I won't mention his name to disparage him and stuff. But anyway, he was another good player on the Giants team. And I went up to go get his autograph, and he wouldn't sign for me. I was freaking crushed, crushed. Wow! Why did he not give me his autograph. And I went back home, and I told my father and my mother they were there. And he said, "What happened?" So I went to get to him and see, hopefully, see Willie Mays. I didn't see him, but I went up to blah, 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 and asked for the autograph, and he wouldn't give it to me. And I said, "If I," I said, and I told him, "I said if I become a pro athlete, I'll never do that to a kid." Steve Kerr did that to Clay Thompson, supposedly, when Clay was a kid. Really? <laughs> yeah. I guess he caught him on a bad day or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's. that's well, it depends on the circumstances. But I mean, you know, like a lot of times when I go out after games on the road, I mean, I perspire a lot. I would never shower until I could cool down because otherwise I'm sweating in my clothes. And right. So it takes me a while to come out of the locker room. I wasn't doing it to avoid the kids. And even at home, if the kids, if they would stay, and wait for me to come out. And back then it wasn't, you know, as popular. You didn't have the, you know, the exposure and, you know, ESPN and everything else. I mean, you can't do it for thousands of kids and stuff, but if somebody stayed, I would sign for them. Like, yeah. Do it. But you know, here I'm going and we were there. The guys are going to get on the bus. In our case, we were driving our cars in the early days. We drove our own rental cars. <laughs> yeah. So I, they're waiting for me. So I can't, I said, look, I can't hold them up. And you know, if you got, you know, 15 kids waiting there, you can't just sign one. It's not fair to the other 14. Right. It is what it is. So anyway, I hope everybody's summer has gone reasonably well and that whatever you're doing in life that you're, you're healthy, please go get your checkup every year, you know, and, uh, and, you know, tell the people you love that you love them. Okay. I'm just telling you this an older person, you know, I mean, life is short. You never know what's going to happen the next day and don't pass up an opportunity to, to show your gratitude and your love and appreciation for people in your life. So, That'll be my preaching for the day. Meanwhile, that was great advice, sir. That is not pre. I think that's just sound advice. It, yeah, I agree. It's good. So anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll have a lot more to talk about because the world of sports always has that. We we focused a lot on basketball today, but we're going to talk about other things. If something comes up, I'm going to I'm going to ignore the half. I'm going to give my opinion, and I don't care who gets mad at me. <laughs> I'm at the stage in my life where it really doesn't matter. It's not going to have a major impact on my life. But I'm just sick and tired of having to listen to some of the BS that comes out of the mouth of some of these people 
who really, their opinion is no more valid than your opinion, folks, seriously. I mean, just because they get lucky enough and somebody pays them a whole lot of money to talk about it, and yet the ones that really kill me are the ones that think they are an expert in every sport. Even when I did my radio show and you were with me as my producer, I mean, I, I just said, and I would say to people, I said, hey, that's my opinion about it. My opinion about this, I don't know, but hey, basketball, different thing. I'll argue with you about that, but you know, hey, your opinion is you know fine if you did it in the other sports, but I'm not going to tell you that. And if you follow that sport closely, you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> right? Absolutely. No, I'm with you. It is, it is weird when someone acts like an expert and they cover four sports. It's like, how, how can you be an expert on all of them? That's Well, it'd be nice if it was only four. They're an expert right. on everything. Right. At least they think they're an expert on everything. And then, right. and then what really ticks me off when they come out and tell somebody, hey, they, that guy, he didn't know what he's doing. And they get guys to get fired. No, seriously. I know. I know. It's true. It's, it's really sad. It's really, it sad. really sad. You know. That is correct. Oh anyway. Anyway. Well, well anyway. Everybody, here, take care. We'll see. That's you That's where time. we're here. We're, huh? we're, we're, we're balance things out, sir. Here you we'll go. balance. Well, ba and listen. If you, and you don't have to agree to what I say either. I mean, it's okay. It doesn't bother me. It's fine. But I always loved it when we were doing our show in KMBR years ago, when somebody would come in and really get seriously and have a real serious discussion and tell me how wrong I was when it came to freaking basketball. I said, oh, my God. I mean, seriously. I mean, come on. Give me a break. You know, some guy's going to tell me he knows more about this game, but I've been around since I've been five years old. <laughs> All right. Anyway, everybody take care. Thanks for joining us here. And check out Mike, Mike'd Up. It's, uh, it's awesome. And uh, uh, weren't we? Did we? Uh, we supposed to be able to go ahead and talk about the mic'd up thing. We got one thing we didn't say that we promised. Say it, say it. Yeah, and, and, well, and again, the, the recordings are available also on on our longtime home at Believe. But yeah, all the live shows, we answer your questions here. Uh, the recordings are here as well. Mic'd up. Download the app. Yeah, but we got to go ahead, and I, I have to be able to say something. Uh, I got to look it up and do something because I want to make sure we it to us. It, the the line you're talking about, I. I was trying to find it in email and I couldn't find it. Um, oh no, no, we can't. I, I'm not going to get off without doing that because we really we owe that to uh, okay to Jim Demarcus and stuff. Uh, let me see. Okay, well that was an old one that he sent to me there. <laughs> uh, anyway, well we'll make sure that we get it. Oh yeah, here we go. This is what he said. Okay, okay. So Mike Duff. Okay, so this is what they have to do. This is and everything's good about PR. You have to promote. You have to market. That's what life is all about. Marketing is the key. The NBA was always a great product. Never marketed properly. That's why our games in '75 were on delayed television in the finals, folks. Delayed <laughs> That's ridiculous. Television. That is one of, one of the major sports in our country. We were on delayed television. Uh, that, is, all that, that is BS. Utterly asinine. So, That's the reason why, by the way, uh, Kobe Bryant did not take a job at NBA on TNT because. Uh, they, he, all, he signed the, the contract. He was ready to go. And then they were like, "You got to promote this thing. You got to do. You got to do interviews." He was like, uh, "I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. Do yeah, not well, want to do." When you get that kind of money, you don't have to do it unless you exactly. love it. So it's it's mic'd up. Is really it's really they're calling it the new media. You know, interactive sports media app. It's it's really it really is. It's it's like nothing else that's out there. That's why I really love it. And got involved with it. And it provides. Yep. And it provides well. Maybe not so, because people might not think that what we're having here is meaningful conversation and insight, but we're giving it out anyway. You don't have to think it's meaningful, but, you know, we have a pretty good idea. I mean, I got a pretty good idea about the game of basketball, and so and we can control it. That's the beauty of it. So, Wait, are you, you know, saying, Rick, that I don't have a good idea about the game of basketball? I'm no, hurt. I'm not saying I'm you, you. No, you actually occasionally do surprise yeah, me without actually having a good surprise. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, 
uh, yeah, check it out, folks. Go get the app. You know, it's it's cool. You can be in there and you can send in, and we'll get you some time on voice and stuff, and get some questions and things of that nature. And uh, and some of the stuff we don't put on because they're stupid questions. You know, if you have a stupid question, you know, unless I'm in a, if I'm in a good mood, maybe I'll give you a stupid answer. Yeah. So, you, know, you never know. Okay. <laughs> See you, everybody. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.